Hey, so last week, we kicked off a three-week series that we're calling Crossroads, Navigating the Roadblocks of Life. And part of the thought behind this is that, like, we each have moments in our life where we come to kind of crossroad moments, where we reach moments where we have to make a decision. And we can be choosing to follow and honor God, or we can be choosing to go a different direction, right? That ultimately is not honoring God. It's, it's disobeying God. And, and I know, like, I've even had moments in my life where I've, I've thought to myself, well, I don't necessarily have to choose to follow God uh, and do what he wants in this moment, but it doesn't mean I'm choosing something evil. I'm just being neutral. And, and part of my learning process was waking up to every decision. We're either choosing to honor God or we're choosing to dishonor God. Right? And that every one of these crossroads moments, whether it's big or little, is important. And, and the reason we uh, like the metaphor of roadblocks is sometimes these roadblocks pop up and make it hard to make these decisions. Right? Uh, they make it hard to get to where you want to go to. I actually was literally yesterday uh, driving somewhere and there was a roadblock. They, were closed, they closed down the road to do some construction. And I remember thinking like, it used to be not a big deal. Way back before you were born, there was a time where people didn't use GPS and we just knew how to get places. And when there was a roadblock back then, I knew how to wing it around to get to where I needed to go. I don't know how to get anywhere now. I've lived in Wilmington longer than I've lived anywhere in my entire life. And I don't know how to get anywhere in Wilmington without my phone telling me how to do it. And it's a real problem because sometimes I get to a roadblock and my phone doesn't know there's a roadblock, like it's happened so recently. So I'll take a turn and I'll be like, it'll correct itself to take me around. And it just keeps bringing me back to this. Has anybody had that happen? Most of you are like, we don't even drive, McNutt. The, uh, it's super frustrating. Roadblocks get in the way. And last week, uh, we talked about that a potential roadblock can be our past. That we can look at our past and go decisions we've made in the past or things we've done in the past, even though we're following God now, we let our past be a roadblock to following God now. Right? And, and I remember I went through that moment when I was uh, around 22 years old. I had, I had stopped following God for a couple of years. And when I came back to faith and I prayed and I was kind of recommitting my life to God, I remember there was a window of time there for quite a while where I was still afraid to do anything for God because I kept being like, but all of the things I've done, like I can't serve God anymore. And I've had to finally have this wake up moment of like, God forgave me the moment I apologized. So who is it that's not letting me feel forgiven now? Right? And I had to realize, yeah, it was my own self refusing to accept the forgiveness that God was giving, that, that I was letting my past be a roadblock. Well, today we want to talk about a different type of roadblock. And uh, we have kind of this theme verse here that says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. That we need to be looking for God's wisdom. And today I want to talk about a roadblock uh, called conflict. How many people like conflict? Does anybody like conflict? Trevor likes conflict. Okay, and there we go. So two people. 
Uh, most normal people don't really like conflict. Uh, <laughs> here's how much I don't like conflict. Does anybody know about, have, have any of you heard of the Enneagram? People, like, they get types and whatever. Um, here's the deal. If you don't know what the Enneagram is, it's really not that big of a deal. It's just a way that people categorize themselves. But if you were into the Enneagram, it would mean something to you that I tell you that I'm a, I'm a nine. And a nine on the Enneagram scale is what they call like the peacemaker. Yeah, I know. Uh, we, and, and here's the deal. My personality type, the type of person I am, everything in me is motivated to avoid conflict. Like, here's the deal. And there's even, there's another one on the uh, Enneagram scale. I think it's either a two or a seven that's called the helper. And people sometimes confuse the nine and the, help, the, the peacemaker and the helper. Because the helper always wants to help people and they always do stuff. And here's the difference between me and a helper. A helper will help you because they genuinely want to help you. I will help you or say yes to something because I don't want to deal with the conflict of saying no. Right? Like, Melissa's laughing because she's seen this in action in the office and whatever. Like, I, here's the deal. Here's how much I hate conflict. I started getting panic attacks because of conflict. The first time I, I, would, I would avoid conflict and I would just hope that, like, if I don't deal with this person, it'll just go away. It'll magically go. Does anybody ever do that? Like, you have a conflict with someone and you hope it just goes away? This stuff never goes away. It never goes away. It just gets worse and worse. And uh, I used to dread conflict so much, I started having panic attacks. The first time I had a panic attack, uh, I thought, I was like a grown dude. I didn't even know what a panic attack was. And, and the first time I had one, I literally thought I was having a heart attack. Like my heart started acting weird and I felt like I couldn't breathe. My chest was like tightening up and I was like, I just, I couldn't breathe. I started to get dizzy, like I was falling over. I thought, this is it. I'm having a heart attack. I'm dying. And then a few minutes later, it went away, and I was just okay again. I was like, I don't think you're supposed to be okay again after you have a heart attack. And I started looking it up, and I was looking up all the symptoms, and I was like, I, was that a panic attack? Was that an anxiety attack? Like, I didn't even know. And I started having, like, I was having them frequently for a few years of my life. Before I finally realized a big part of it was I just didn't know how to handle conflict. Like conflict was literally taking a toll on my body because of how I would not handle it. And for me, I very much get that conflict can be a roadblock to me honoring and following God because sometimes there is a place for healthy disagreement, healthy like getting together and holding each other accountable or going into things or, or working together. And, and I want to look at a passage today that I've looked at a lot over the years because I find it super fascinating, right? Uh, it's, it's in um, the book of Acts, chapter 15. And it says, after some time, now here's the deal. Uh, Paul and Barnabas were two of the really key church fathers and they did a mission trip together. And it wasn't like our summer mission trips where they go, we go away for a week. Like they would go off for years and, and they went and they would reach all these people and the two of them were like big time leaders and then they would bring some other people with them to help out. 
And so uh, they had gone on a missionary journey, and now they're going to do another one. It says, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's return to each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are getting along. Because they had gone around, and here's how long their missionary journey. They would go, and they would start a church. They would, like, teach people. They would get people to become Christians, start a church, teach them how to do their church, and then they would leave to go to another city to start another church. So now Paul's like, hey, we should go back, check, and see how these people are doing. Because right, he didn't have telephones back then. Uh, he goes, uh, let's see how the new believers are getting on. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. Here's the deal. Uh, John Mark is Barnabas' cousin. Uh, does anybody ever have conflict with family? Yeah, sometimes. I grew, up, uh, I grew up mostly on the West Coast where my mom's side of the family lived. And my mom's side of the family is like super sweet and super nice. I take after my mom. I didn't, I didn't appreciate that, Melissa. Uh, that was a little, was a little harsh. We're going to have some conflict about that later. Uh, on my mom's side of the family, we would all get together at my great-grandparents' house. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. Every year at Christmas, we would go to great-grandma and grandpa's house. They had a stocking for every person on their mantle. So it was like 70 or 80 Christmas stockings on their mantle. It was incredible. Because it would be like 70 of us jammed into their tiny, tiny house. They had like a tiny old person house. Okay? You know what I'm saying. Tiny house. We would all jam into this house. We would sit on the floor all around the Christmas tree, into the dining room, into the kitchen. Everybody's jammed in everywhere. And great grandpa would play Christmas carols on the piano while we all sang along. People literally make like lifetime Christmas movies about this crap. Okay? That's what I grew up with on my mom's side of the family where everybody loved each other and was nice. And then when I was 15, well, we moved to South America. And then we came back from South America when I was 18 and lived on the East Coast where my dad's family would celebrate Christmas. And he has seven sisters. All eight of them are crazy. The seven sisters and my dad. Every Christmas ended in a literal brawl. Like people would be screaming at each other. I, you're going to think I'm exaggerating. People ended up in the emergency room bleeding from the fights that happened at the McNutt family Christmas party every year. And then we would all show up and do it again the next year. Like, it was crazy. Family has conflict. Anyways, so John Mark is Barnabas' cousin. That was just a free story. Uh, Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them and Pamphylia, and had not shared in the work. Last time they had gone on a missionary journey, they brought John Mark, who's already kind of a weird guy because he wants to be called two names. What's that about? And he bailed on him before. And Paul's like, no, this is not happening. Like, we're not wasting our time taking this quitter with us again. And Barnabas, Paul is a very driven guy. Paul, when you look at the New Testament, he's like, go, 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 go. Try to keep up with me. And Barnabas is known for being a really caring guy. He's a really nice guy. And, uh, and they were both driven to serve God, but they did it in different ways. And Barnabas is like, we got to take them. The disagreement over this was so sharp that they separated. This Bible speak for, they just couldn't get along anymore. Paul and Barnabas were so mad at each other over this disagreement, or the disagreement was so strong, we don't really, that they split up. Barnabas 
took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. They went on a missionary journey. Paul chose Silas, and the believers sent them off, entrusting them to the Lord's grace. So they traveled throughout Syria and Sicilia to strengthen the churches there. Uh, here's what's interesting to me, right? Is the Bible doesn't say which one of them was right. Right? These were two guys that were both passionate about serving God. And yet they got in such a fierce disagreement that they split up. Which I have to be like, man, that conflict is a roadblock to honoring God. Now in the end, it ended up that there were two missionary journeys. God was still able to use this for a good thing. John Mark stuck out this second missionary journey. In fact, he became such a good leader in the church that later Paul called him out for it and gave him compliments, praises him in one of his letters. John Mark grew to become such a leader, he actually wrote something many of you have read, the Gospel of Mark, based on what he heard uh, about Jesus' time. So, so John Mark ended up doing a lot of great things. But here's the thing, like I look at this passage and it's such a fascinating thing because they should have been able to handle their conflict better. God was able to use it to do a good thing. But in Romans 12, 18, Paul writes this, do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. And were Paul and Barnabas doing everything possible to live in peace with each other in that moment? No, they, they went their separate ways. Right? Like, was that a great solution? God was able to use it to do some good stuff, but I don't know that that was the best solution. Here's four, there's four things I want you to think about when it comes to conflict and how God expects us as Christians to act. Because here's the deal. The way we're trained in our culture, in our world, the way our natural response to conflict is, like when mercy ticks me off all the time, yeah, right? Mercy. In our world system, there's a few ways that I'm like encouraged to respond to her, right? One would be to yell at her, just tell her off, let her have it. And I'm going to tell some other people, right? Jacob, Jacob, do you hear what Mercy did? Yeah. I know, right? She did that to you too? Yeah. yeah, I'm not even surprised. Charity, did you hear what Mercy did to Jacob and me? Yeah. Not cool, right? That's one way the world says it, like tell them off. Another thing the world says is like, hey, just write them off. I'm just never going to talk to her again. I don't need to ever deal with Mercy again. Right? I'm just going to avoid her. She won't even know what happened. She doesn't even know. She's just like, man, McNutt used to be a cool youth pastor, and now he won't even look at me, which I'm not going to for the rest of No, just kidding. The, I'm picking on Mercy because she's a wonderful human being. The, I know. The, <laughs> except for Jacob. He was like, ugh. So, Mercy, I'd watch out for that. It's a little bit of conflict. Right? We sometimes, we get tempted when there's conflict to get revenge. How many of us have tried to get payback on someone? Or we post something about them? We do something, right? Like there's all these things that feel like the natural responses to conflict. But here's what, there's four things that I think God wants us to think about when it comes to conflict. The first is this. That we should expect God to do something great in the midst of conflict. Right? All those years where I was avoiding conflict, I haven't, if you're wondering, I haven't had a panic attack in a long time. Because, I know, I know. Because, that's not what I was going for here. That's not what I was going for here. Uh, okay, now we're clapping too long. I'm going to go way over time. It's going to be your own fault. The, uh, 
one of the things I learned, and I still have to constantly be reminding me, and sometimes even people around me, like part of the reason Melissa laughed is sometimes she has to be like, hey, Matthew, weren't you going to talk to so-and-so about such-and-such? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do need to do that, right? I learned I need to start addressing stuff, that I can't just avoid it. I need to go to that person and talk about it sooner. Because the sooner I deal with it, the sooner my body, like, relaxes. Because so often, when we have conflict, the other person might not even realize it, right? Like, sometimes I'm upset about something because Trevor said something. I'm like, why would he do that to me? Why is he trying to tear me down like that? Why is he back? (laughs) What? Sometimes, sometimes I just got to do it. But then when I go to Trevor, if I actually go to Trevor and be like, hey, man, like, why'd you say that thing? And he's like, whoa, dude, I never even meant it that way. Like, I was talking about, and then I realized it was just a big misunderstanding that I was having conflict about. That I was getting myself worked out, but the sooner I can go and talk it out, the sooner I relax and I don't get an upset stomach and I don't get a headache and I don't grit my teeth and, and stay awake at night because I'm stressing about this conflict, the sooner I can deal with it. But here's the, here's the other side to it. Expect God to do something great in the midst of conflict. What Paul and Barnabas, what Paul was missing out on is that John Mark had it in him to become a great leader in the church. He had messed up. And Paul couldn't see past that. Paul's like, I don't want to bother with this guy anymore. I think Paul was wrong about that, right? Because God did something great in John Mark through that conflict. That, that something great still came out of it. That sometimes when we talk things out, we're surprised by what the result is. We get better communication. We get better things. There have been times where uh, different pastors and I, we've butted heads on things because we have different opinions. When we're passionate about something, we're each passionate about what we do at the church. Sometimes we have different ideas, but we have the trust with each other. Pastor Nate, Pastor Todd, Pastor Hayes, Pastor Terry, Miss Christie, that we can be really honest with each other about things we're upset about or that we're tense about. And because we have this honest communication, great things end up happening. And sometimes we understand each other. And so we have a much better trust because we don't avoid conflict, that God is able to do something great in the midst of conflict. Here's another thing. Reject the world's way of responding to conflict. All of those things I said before, part of honoring and following God is going, these things that I see on TV or that my friends are telling me when my friends are like, yeah, you need to get rid of that guy. You need to post that thing on Instagram. You need to snap, you know, you need to say blah, blah, blah. All the different things that we say to each other, we need to reject those ways of handling conflict. Right? We need to embrace that. No, what God wants me to do is to go talk it out with that person. Now, there is a reality, right, where sometimes a conflict is serious enough that I need to have somebody else come with me, like an adult or someone I trust, to be kind of a a witness to it because I'm at risk in that situation. Or sometimes there's a conflict where I'm going to resolve it, but I do need to stay away from that person because they're not respecting boundaries. They're being dangerous, right? I'm not saying that every single conflict has a happy ending to it, but... 
We need to do our best to reject the world's way of handling conflict, to avoid gossip and tearing down and name-calling and losing our temper and all of those things, right? Third thing that we need to do is to forgive before engagement. I'm not talking about getting engaged in marriage, okay? Nobody, nobody's getting engaged here. Uh, engage is like before I engage in the conversation, right? That when I get upset with someone, here's what, here's what I need to do. I, I have a few verses here I want to share with you. I think I put them on here. Uh, you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We're called to forgive. And the challenge is, like my temptation is, when I get really upset at somebody and they've offended me, I want them to apologize to me before I forgive them. Right? And God isn't saying that. God is, I don't need you to apologize to me for me to forgive you and let it go. Because the reality is, What's it really affecting when I'm refusing to forgive someone? It's just affecting me. I'm the one staying up awake at night, being angry, being obsessed about it, only talking about this thing. That person might not even know. They're out living their life, having a good time, while I'm just filling myself with anger because I'm not forgiving them for this thing they've done. So we need to forgive others. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's kind of this wake-up call from God. This verse kind of scares me, right? Because God is going, man, if you can't forgive other people, you don't understand what I've forgiven you of. Right? Like every sin I've ever done, I'm 47 years old. I have done a lot of sins. Probably more than most of you because I've been alive longer. I've had a lot more opportunity to sin. I've sinned multiple times today. Right? Like all, I know, shocking. I have sinned so much. And God has forgiven all of it immediately. And there's a little bit of a reality of like, if I can't understand how much God has forgiven me, but I'm going to not let go that Melissa ate the last Skittles. I'm doing a silly example, right? But if somebody does something hurtful to me, they do a thing to me and I can't let that go, but God can let go every single thing I've ever done against him. God is going, you don't really understand forgiveness. Right? That, that, that you don't fully understand everything you've been given if you can't give a little of that to someone else. One more verse. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Here's what I mean by forgive before engagement. Right? That if you have conflict with someone and you're going to go talk to them, what I try to do, I'm not always good at this, but what I want to do is forgive that person before I even go and talk to them. I've let it go. So now when I go to talk to them, I can just focus on what did I do in this conflict? Right? Because if, if you and I are in an argument and I come to you and I'm not going to be like, I'm a better Christian, so I've already forgiven you. Uh, it's time for you to forgive me. No, I'm not going to be like that, right? But if I am having conflict with someone, and I let go of everything they've done to me, and I just focus on, you know what? I did do some stuff, right? I did respond the way I shouldn't have been. Maybe I was a little too sarcastic. Maybe I got too defensive, too quick. Somebody came to me with a valid complaint or concern, 
and I got defensive and overreacted instead of just listening to them, whatever it is, if I can go to them and go, hey, you know, I want to talk about what happened the other day, and I'm just so sorry about how I responded to you, right? Because I've already forgiven them. So I don't need them to say anything or do anything about what they did. Now I just need to deal with, what did I do? I need to apologize for my part. But here's the thing. If somebody comes to you, and instead of being like, you did this, 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 they come to you and go, hey, I'm so sorry for what I did. Isn't it kind of a natural response in us? Like that diffuses everything. When somebody comes to me and does that, man, my first reaction is like, oh my gosh. You know, I did some stuff too. I'm, I'm sorry about what I did. Right? That when we can forgive somebody before we go to them, that takes so much of the tension out of the conflict. Most times. Sometimes we still have, for a really big, big deal thing, like that's a different ballgame. That's when you want to have somebody else helping out. Last thing. Work towards a resolution without escalation or a victory dance. Here's what I mean by that. When you're, trying, when you're resolving a conflict with someone, uh, what's the worst possible thing you could say? I win. <laughs> right? Won't that tick everyone off? Uh, Heather and I, uh, this is not one of my prouder moments, uh, when, when we were expecting uh, Micah, our first son, when she was pregnant with Micah, we were trying to decide what to name him. And uh, here's the deal. Uh, we both liked the same name. We wanted to name him Noel. We liked that name. We thought it was a cool name. Noah's making a face. He's like, that's not a good name. It was almost your name, dude. We liked the name Noel so much. But we couldn't agree on how to spell it. This is the dumbest argument ever. We spent three months arguing about how to spell it. And finally, we were like, neither of us would compromise. So we named him Micah instead. Because neither of us could agree to the other person's spelling. Which, I gotta be honest, she wanted to spell it a ridiculous way. How? So here's the deal. The correct way to spell a dude's name, Noel, is N-O-E-L. Don't say too much about it because one of my kids did get that name. The, uh, no, Noel, a girl's name, Noel, is N-O-E-L-L-E. A boy's name, Noel, look it up, is spelled N-O-E-L. So, she wanted to spell it K-N-O-L-L. Like a shady Noel of trees? Yeah, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay? And I see a bunch of people nodding with me. Yeah, I wasn't going to do that to my son and have him get beat up everywhere he went for the rest of his life. So we couldn't agree on it. So we named him Micah. So then two years later, she's pregnant with Caleb. And we brought it up again. We were like, hey, you know, that was so silly how we were arguing about how to spell the name Noel. We both still really liked it. We were like, we should, we should name him Noel. And we are both like, yeah, let's do that. And uh, Heather goes, but it's got to be spelled K-N-O-L-L. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, so then we argued a whole bunch for like a month or two. Realized we weren't going to agree, so we named him Caleb. Uh, then when Noah was born, when she was pregnant with Noah, we found out he was a boy. Uh, we brought it up again, and this time it was real quick. Uh, I was like... We were like, let's name him Noel. And Heather was like, yeah, we should do that. And I was like, you're willing to spell it the correct way? And she said, 
uh, absolutely not. And I was like, so there's probably really no point in talking about this. And she was like, yeah, no, there's not. So, so Noah ended up Noah. And then when we were expecting Zachary, poor Zachary is so tense right now. He's like, you're telling a story about me in the room. You're all like, but his name is Zachary. Uh, here's the deal. What you don't know that complicates all this story is my aunt and uncle on the West Coast, my mom has one brother, and he had uh, three kids when Heather and I got married. And they were named Micah, Zachary, and Katie. Katie came here last year, the Renew Conference, paint the thing. And so, so it was already kind of weird that we named one kid the same name as one of their kids. Well then, after Heather and I got married, they adopted another kid named Heather. Okay? So now they have, Z they have Micah and Heather, and, uh, and then they have another kid named Zachary. And when we were expecting our Zachary, Heather was like, we spent a few months, we just couldn't find a name. We tried to talk about Noel, that didn't work. And, and we just couldn't decide on a name. And finally one day I was like, you know what, we should just call him Zachary. I was joking around because I thought she would get the ridiculousness in the idea of having three kids named Three people in our family name the same names as people in my aunt and uncle's family. And Heather goes, oh my gosh, I love that name. That name is perfect. I was like, we can't name him Zachary. And she was like, what? It's such a good name. And I was like, my cousin is named Zachary. My other cousin is Heather. My other cousin is Micah. And they're all in the same, like it's super weird. And she was like, oh my gosh, but they're in Washington. We're on the East Coast. I was like, we cannot do that. And she goes, oh. And I go, tell you what. I go, what if... We name him Zachary Knoll, but we spell it the correct way. And she goes, what? No, we can't do that. We can't, like, no, 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 no. It has to be, and I was like, Heather, Heather. I was like, what does it even matter? Nobody ever even talks about middle names. Nobody will ever know. Nobody's ever going to look at it. Nobody, like, how many of you knew his middle name? Nobody till now. He's not happy with me. And she goes, yeah, you know what? You're right. So we agreed and I was like, internally, I go, you got to be cool, McNutt. Don't screw this up, McNutt. So I was like, real cool. I was like, okay, cool. So we're going to call him Zachary Noel McNutt. We're going to spell it the right, we're going to spell, I didn't even say spell it the right way. I was like trying to be cool. We'll spell it N-O-E-L. Internally, I was thinking the way it's supposed to be. And so then when he was born, and we got the birth certificate, and we filled it out, and we spelled the name out, and we signed it. And once it was signed and locked in, in a tender and beautiful moment while she was holding our newborn baby, I leaned over and I said, I win. <laughs> Don't do that. That's not how you handle conflict. <laughs> that was a funny conflict, right? But in real life, we should not be gloating, right? A Christ-like response to, to conflict is being loving, is being graceful, is not making it worse or gloating or going, I got my way. Noah, you want me to tell some embarrassing stories about you? Yeah. Huh? Who's in favor of that? Keep tapping your wrist. All right, here's the deal. My last thought here, conflict is inevitable. Misery is optional. Here's what I mean by that. We're all going to have conflict. We're all going to have conflict. 
I made myself miserable for so many years by avoiding conflict, right? We're all going to have conflict, but whether or not we're miserable about it is up to us. If we choose to follow God, if we choose to follow what God is telling us about how to handle conflict, we can have conflict without the misery. And so that's what I want to challenge you with today, that you would be honoring God with how you handle the roadblocks of conflict. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you uh, that you can use conflict to do amazing things. And God, I ask that you'd help each one of us uh, every day as we try to follow you and pursue you and honor you, that you would give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom to listen to you in how we handle conflict that we would be slow to respond and react, that we, would, that we would follow these things that we've talked about today and honor you in our decisions. In your name, amen.